Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Ken, I don't know what you did with this coffee, but it's delicious. It's just from downstairs, right? Yeah, I wish I could say that I did something to it, but I merely took the pitcher and poured it. So, Really? Yeah, that's all. Well, whoever made it, I don't know. I mean, I like a little bit of cream in it, but sometimes it's like too harsh, sometimes not so much, but... Whoever made it, I'm gonna find out who made it this morning. I think it was Tina, maybe. Was it? I, I mean, that would be my guess. But so Tina and I have very similar uh, coffee tastes. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. If she made it, I'm gonna go quiz her. I like it to be the kind of coffee that when you take the first sip, your hair stands on end. That's <laughs> oh, that's my God. kind of coffee right there. <laughs> what about you, John? How do you how do you like it? I like it strong and black, but a little bit uh, too much caffeine will just knock me over. So. Uh, I mean, I, I drink it as as black as I can, and then uh, only only take about as much until I start like starting seeing googly eyes or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually my signal to have more. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's when you just start getting going. You yeah, just like, oh, through that it's block. working. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> more. Just IV me with some coffee right now. Oh my goodness! Uh, I tried giving up coffee earlier this year, and it didn't go well. Me too. Uh, because I've been uh, been drinking coffee for years now, and I thought, you know, I'll just I'll just wean myself off, and um, it was not not uh, charitable to my wife and to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need a good reason to do something like that. I did That's it for true. Lent one year, and that and alcohol, and it was fantastic Lent. Oh yeah, it was fantastic Lent. You yeah. felt felt the suffering regularly. I did. And the coffee was way harder. Yes. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. like it's it's addictive, right? So the coffee, you're used to that energy every day in the mornings, and without it, then you're like, oh man, I got to rely on my self preservation and just punch through. And yeah. it gives you, it makes you more empowered by the end of the day, I think. Mm. So by the end of Lent, um, you know, I felt like I was stronger because of it, which was nice. Mm. Yeah. So I almost suggest doing something like that, but you have to have a good reason. Yeah. And that was a good enough reason for me. Yeah, for Lent. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And you get extra graces during Lent, too, I'm sure, from from the Holy Spirit, which helps. Yeah, for sure. But you're back at it. The coffee. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> I love coffee. <laughs> it was a Lenten <laughs> thing. That, that was Lenten over. A season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I think Lent is a, uh, that's a good, a good segue into our topic. Uh, welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Vici Mindum Show. Uh, I'm Austin, and we've got Ken White, and we also have a new parishioner to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Um, we're very happy to have uh, John Ward here. John uh, moved to Newport News back in December, and his family followed him out here very shortly after that. So uh, we're recording this early in April, so you've been here for, what, about four months now? Five, five months? Maybe four and a half or so. Something like that. Yeah, yeah nice. So, uh, John, can you tell us just really briefly a little bit about where you're coming from? Yeah, so I grew up in Society of St. Pius X in uh, Chicago, so I had the nice Latin rite. Um, a little bit, uh, a little bit crazy. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Very intense. Um, a very strong Catholic family. You know, small Irish Catholic family. So it was great because I was really close to all seven brothers and sisters. And then. Uh, you know, just grew, grew up in a very strong Catholic family, and then um, went to went to a bunch of schools, studied aerospace engineering, which brought me here. And uh, you know, it seems like a great area. Love all the nature, tons of nature around here. It's just uh, fantastic. So, 
and I was looking around for a good church, and you know, I came here and met a met some strong guys, and uh, super excited to be here. Nice. And you've got a wife and two kids, right? I do. I yes. have a, a, a amazing wife, uh, two children, uh, Conrad, who is two and four months, and a uh, five month old as well, nice. uh, Rory. So. Uh, that that is a blast. That is more fun than I expected. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not sleeping, but it is right. fantastic. That's why we have the coffee. That's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It becomes a necessity as a yeah, father, sure. I think. Yeah. The the excitement of it all is heightened too by the lack of sleep. It know, probably I is. I was super slap happy a couple of days ago. And, oh my and your wife is so gracious. It's her birthday today, right? When you're recording, so. that is correct. Yeah. yeah so yeah. over the airwaves, happy birthday! Yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday. Margo. <laughs> so um, I was talking with John. Met John um, not too long ago, and uh, he was telling us about one of the things that he did for Lent. Um, We've well, done it twice now, right? I've done it twice, yeah. A couple years ago. Both times for Lent. That was my Lenten sacrifice. Was, yes. Uh, I joined uh, this ministry called Kairos. It's an ecumenical ministry where we go and we minister to um, the imprisoned. And uh, so we go into a supermax prison and bring faith, hope, and love to to guys who are in sorely need of uh, such things. So... Uh, it's very intense and full of the Spirit, and you have we pray to the Holy Ghost nonstop because without Him, there's no way we can do it. Now you said, yeah, um, at the time before you got involved with it, you were kind of praying and thinking about, you know, how can I take Lent a little bit more seriously? How can I do uh, get involved with more things, right? And then, yeah, so you weren't seeking this out, right? It, no, no, it just it just happened. Some guy stood up at our Knights of Columbus meeting. And which I joined because I was trying to do more charitable works, and actually started getting a little addicted to charity because I just started like joining everything. <laughs> charity almost, is like coffee, folks. It's almost, <laughs> almost to the detriment of my family, I actually had to oh, cut wow. back because I was doing too much. But um, uh, anyway, yeah. So a guy stood up and was like, "Hey, we're doing this thing. We're going to go into the prison. We're going to talk to prisoners, looking for volunteers." Who wants to do it? I'm like, this is nuts. Who wants to do that? <laughs> but then he was talking about how it was a corporal work of mercy. And I was like, mm. you know, there's all these things on this list, and some of them are harder than others. And I was just asking for something to do, and God just gave me this one. I'm like, gosh darn it. <laughs> so, uh, so I went and talked to him and went to an uh, info meeting and uh, ended up doing it. It's fantastic. Wow. Lines. Wow. And so tell us a little bit just about um, the experience going into it. Was it what you expected or different? Or so, so during the preparation, we prepare for about five weeks uh, meeting on Saturdays for like five hours. Um, oh, wow. And then so that prepares you with the mindset, yes, you're going to be safe. There's guards around. Um, but these guys are no joke. So... Um, when you have to go in with a, you know, a pious mentality, but a you know strong, you know strong-willed, and not let them manipulate you in, in any way. So um, you need to be strong in your faith. You have to not be fake at all, because if you're in fake, if you're if you're inconsistent or you don't seem like you're serious, they're not going to believe you. They're um, mm. very. These men are very good at judging character. Mm. So, um, so because of that, you know, I was it was very intimidating to go in. 
Um, not so you have the fear factor for safety, just because I was never in a prison before, um, which is not unconstituted, but it's the chance of something happening is very minimal, um, just because not only do you have the guards there, but there's a lot of internal rules that you learn about later that uh, you know they don't they don't mess with guests because if they don't mess with guests, they don't get guests anymore, and people won't help them and they oh, know so gotcha. it's like there's a lot of like internal rules that, like don't do this don't do, like internal meaning happen. like among the inmates that's their yes that's their Inmate like laws. code yes. so to speak gotcha code's the word and that's a good one okay but uh, it's like growing up in a family where it's like hey you know if you if you keep trash in your room we're not having friends over and the yeah. kids just know that, that yeah <laughs> or yeah. if you don't eat your plate like or if you don't grab the food that's in the center table you don't get any yes because it's gone <laughs> yeah you and i are clearly from big irish catholic families yeah <laughs> there's only so many biscuits on the table that's right <laughs> you gotta grab them while they're there <laughs> oh man <laughs> well one of the things you said too was was the approach i think of uh of um even talking about the people in prison um that i think you you mentioned beforehand that was really important that you didn't say the inmates right yes we call them participants so um so we're bringing faith hope and love and we have to treat these people as people we can't treat them as society does society tends to just throw them away and ignore them as if they don't exist and it's just a number. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 tend to as a society, and I know even even after doing this, I tend to you know when you hear about people that make poor decisions in the news, um, you instantly judge them, and you instantly just like think they're terrible people and throw them away. And you're like, no, John, it's not the case. They may have made a mistake, or God still loves them. We're called to still love them. Mm-hmm. I need to love them. How do I make them a better person, or how do I bring them closer to God? So um, our goal in there is, again, just to bring faith, hope, and love to these guys. So um, we, we call them participants. We don't call them inmates. We, you know, we don't call them prisoners. We, um, we want to make them more personable to us. Mm. So um, you know, at the, at, the start of the, at the start of the thing, everyone's very reserved. You can tell the inmates are like, why am I here? What am I doing? Um, but the, by the end, everyone's high-fiving, hugging. It's crazy to get all these big, beefy, because uh, they, you know, big, beefy uh, right. participants, and they're, they're, they're intimidating at first. But by the end, they're, you know, they're like butterballs. Who, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're up there singing with us because they sing, uh, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of happy Christmas uh, Christian songs and it's a, it's a blast. Mm. Yeah. I think something struck me about how you, how you said that, um, you know, we're, we're called like, so you said, you know, some of them made a bad mistake, but then almost like you were, you know, there are some maybe that continue to make bad mistakes. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but you quickly revert, like changed from that to we're called to love them. We're, we're supposed to love them. God loves them. I think there's something really powerful about that because I, I know I find like in the comfort of my own home, you know, looking at looking at my phone, seeing the craziness of the world, you know, from the, the news feed and, and it's easy, it's so easy to judge and to just, you know, here I am, comfortable, I had a great upbringing, um, you know, and, and I have a beautiful family and and here I am reading this thing and saying, oh, how could that person even think to do that? Mm. You know, but I've never been in the kind of circumstances that, that found them there in the first place, you know, and it's so easy to, to make that judgment and, and then to make that judgment and write them off, 
Yes. Like, well, good thing they got caught and they're in prison now. <laughs> Don't have to deal with that anymore, right? Yeah. And it's sort of um, – and, and then when you said that, that really struck me. Like, we are called to love them and God loves them. So even if they're not amending their ways, we're still called to love them. Yeah. And God yes. still loves them. Correct. You know? Well, yes. it, it seems like it's a dignity uh, – um, a dignity issue going on, right? That, that people – I mean, we, we find this too even in our outreach office – it's very easy to talk about people at the door as clients to say, well, we have a client here, you know, but really, and, uh, and Tina's really good about trying to drive this home. They are a, a person in need. You know, there are brothers and sisters who have a particular need at this point, but like what you, what you both are saying that it's very easy, I think, to reduce people to their sin or their situation and put them in that box and say, you know, Oh, you're just a client or, Oh, you're just a prisoner. And so, as a prisoner, I must treat you in this particular manner. And so you stop seeing them as a human person. You know. Yeah, it reminds me of there's, there's a, a popular um, retreat scenario that you could set up for teens where you take um, you know, a, a dollar bill or $50 bill or whatever. And, you, um, and you, you, it's crisp, it's clean, right? And then you mess it up, right? You stamp on it and you put it in dirt and mud and you crumple it up and, and, and but the whole time you're asking as you're demonstrating like has the value of this money changed at all right <laughs> and it hasn't even though it's gotten dirty and even though it's gotten you know maybe it needs some smoothing out but the value is still there and and even with all of these these participants right that their their value is still there because it's been given to them by God and no matter what they do it can't be taken away mm. they can they can run away from God right and they can sort of mar and dirty themselves but in the end, God still loves them, and they still have value. Were there any uh, particular situations, John, that uh, while you were in the prison that helped you to see more clearly the dignity of these people, kind of some uh, epiphany moments or anything like that? Well, so the, the first thing, um, the very first guy I met, uh, we, we get paired up with a guy right away. And oh, so you're one-on-one -on -one with a guy? We're the... one-on-one for, with a guy for oh, about... Wow. Uh, two hours right at the get-go just to try and make him more comfortable and try to make uh, explain what's going to happen over the weekend. But So right away, I came in, and this guy, he's been in there for like the last 20 years, and, he's, and over the last 10, since he went to his first Kairos, he has nonstop read the Bible. This guy <laughs> knew every piece of that thing way like I'm like well, I can't talk to him he does way more than he's I he's preaching to me <laughs> it blew me away wow and um and he what it was what really astounded me was he knew all the names of mm. every single person and the locations and like so if I brought up a situation he was talking about the background of each of these people and why they were there and what was going on and I'm I got floored these guys are way smarter than than we gave them credit to be, and mm. that that's that was the the personable aspect I got right away. All of a sudden, you know, the Holy Ghost just punched me in the face. It's like, John, we want we want to help these people. They're smart. They're they can take it. They can take your help and run with it. And we, we so we, you know, the the Holy Spirit wanted us to go in there and build a community within the church. Within the church, the people are the church. Mm -hmm. within the prison and where they can build their own community of love and support. Um, Cause we're only there for four days. We can't be there forever. So 
the idea is if we can if we can build a small community and they go in there the group goes in there twice a year. Oh wow. I've only done it twice, but the and every time we try to get different guys, so we're trying to build a community of faith within the within the prison and where they can lean on each other because when you're um, when you you know, I'm what's the phrase? I'm with when two or more meet together, I am there yes. with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. gather in my name. Yeah. There. yeah. there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So like we're trying to get them to do that and then God's always walking with you. Jesus is always walking with you, but he's especially powerful and supportive when there's there's a group of men. So, mm. um, Well, it sounds like it, it was bearing fruit if this guy went 10 years prior and then is sitting down with you and explaining the whole Bible. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's really uh, creating an impact. Yeah. Oh, it, it definitely does. So, the, so we're going to Statesville Maximum Security Prison in Cook County, which is Chicago's county... Of uh, where Chicago likes to put their their people that don't make the right decisions. And Chicago <laughs> is not not known for having just it's a not. couple criminals. No, it's not. It's uh, it was a very well pop. It was maximized wow. population in there. Don't they have like the highest murder rate in the country? I think Chicago is. Pretty I don't high. think it's pretty high. They're really high up there. Yeah, it's okay. definitely not the highest, but okay. it's definitely pretty high. Okay, especially depending on. Um, inner city south side is not a great place to be. Okay. Um, within the prison, the you'll you'll start getting um, small Christian communities building up where they actually start doing prayer groups and and, and circle prayer, and um, and we try to train them in this on how to how to you know organize these groups. So they only have a specific like a very small set of like yard time, and mm. we're we're trying to get them instead of spending the time. Either just sitting on the bleachers or just playing basketball or just like doing nothing. Like, here, why don't you guys get together and pray? You have an opportunity here to love each other, worship God, um, come together as a community and really support each other. So mm. we try to build these small groups. And um, we actually go in there over the next six months and check and check and see how they're doing and ask questions and try and support it as well. So we do seem, we see. The small groups forming, and we see uh, it helping a lot of guys. There's a couple. Um, there's a couple guys that that now work to help support the ministry that are that are um, participants. That they come back every year and they just come and serve. They don't actually participate. They're just there to serve and to help out. Oh wow! And super on fire for the faith, you know. And they're spending, nice. you know, every day behind bars. But then you just you talk to them and you can tell they're super on fire and it's just fantastic. <laughs> Their life's been transformed. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So one of the things that's coming to mind is that, uh, um, and I, I like I'm, I'm imagining myself in, uh, in in the prison doing this. And, yeah, um, you should come with. I would love to. Absolutely. <laughs> You'd let me know next Lent. You know, <laughs> we'll see if we can get it organized. All right. Um, but. Uh, but is that it's kind of like when you see somebody begging on the side of the street um, that you feel this interior struggle of like, I know I'm supposed to do something. I don't know what it is. What am I supposed to do? You know, and I think we see this um, anytime we like we, we come across poor and vulnerable mm-hmm. people, you know, whether it's a child, anything. It's like this all of a sudden this tension exists. Um, did you experience that a lot in the prison? No, because we're well trained. So what's really okay. nice about this is we 
we spend all that time preparing so you know what to do in that situation. Mm. Um, you know, and then if you ever get uncomfortable, you can go to the one of the guys. We, we set up, like, if you have a question, come ask these guys. They've been doing this for 10 years. We'll have the answer. Or, oh, or nice. have the participant come talk to us so then we can answer this question or we can make it more comfortable. Mm. Um, so, like, that's a big problem with charity in general. If you don't know what you're doing you may or may not help that person. Mm. And I, I come, I think about that all the time. Hey, I'm spending all this time in prison. What about this guy who's standing on the street corner? How do I help him? And how do I help him in a way that really helps him or at least shows him a little bit of faith, hope, and love, mm. right? Um, I don't mind giving him a couple bucks, but I don't want to just give him a couple bucks. I want to give him my love at the same time. Yeah. So it's like, can I give him a couple bucks and then say, hey, how's your day going? What are you doing? Like, uh, like, you know, I don't know. Just ask him something rather than just, here's some bucks, get out of my life. Right. Right. Don't get them out of your life. They're people too. They need your love and support. They're extremely sheltered. They're very well isolated. They close in on themselves. You need to have them open up. They build up a wall of, of against the world. They don't let anybody mm. in because they don't like their situation, and they, they put themselves in a very ugly, dark place. Mm. And it's our job, God calls us to do this, is to break, to, you're not supposed to break through that wall, but you need to let them slowly take their wall down. Mm. Um, and you do it in a loving and supporting way. So if you don't, if you, because if you break through it, you're going to startle them, and it's, it's they're going to be scared to death, and they, they can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, freak out. Yeah, I think um, with I think sometimes the at least speaking from personal experience, like when we just give a few dollars, it's it's a way to okay, my my conscience is being <laughs> tapped on. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of this. So I don't have to think about it anymore. But but there's more of a demand there. There's a demand for that faith, hope, and love to be shared, and that's the part that I think just giving a few dollars is too easy. Right. It's enough to calm the, the conscience and like, okay, I, I did my part today. I gave him two or three dollars. But did you really give him anything? You know? When 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 God speaks about like how how you know spiritually we need to be more um, more giving than we are like materially. Yes, we're supposed to give materially, but you know, reflecting recently on like the Martha and Mary story, like Mary chose the better part. Mary chose the part of of worship and of contemplation and so there's god sort of raising the spiritual above the material in in that sense and not the material doesn't matter but do you know what i'm saying like like what are we offering them if we're just giving them three or four dollars and that's that then what are we really giving them so they can go and get like half a sandwich or or a bad sandwich from mcdonald's and that's like we had an opportunity there to encounter christ and to and to talk and speak and love in that moment and instead we just threw some money at them and kept moving. I mean, that happens in scripture all the time in the parables, people throwing money and then just ignoring the situation, right? Well, and that's what I think is great about, uh, and and we can use the material in that way. You know, like, okay, you got a dollar. Well, great. Here's an opportunity to actually have an encounter with the person. You know, like give the dollar and then uh, we can, we can, we can talk, you know, and it's the same way you were talking beforehand about uh, cookies that you bring to this prison ministry. You know, you bring the cookies and that that is like that opens the door to maybe a little bit of like like chipping at that wall you were talking about. Like, okay, 
Uh, no pun intended. Chipping chocolate chip. <laughs> that was lame. Um. <laughs> no, but you're right. Edit like, that out. We, that was um, rough. <laughs> in, in college, in college, we I was part of a ministry program where we were um, kind of like the RA, but but a, a campus ministry version of that for the dorm. So we would lead uh, small groups and we would go door to door and talk to the different. Um, our, our classmates basically. And one of the things that we did was called mopping is what we like fondly called it, which was ministry of presence. So like going room to room and just speaking and hanging out. And we always um, would carry a bag of candy with us. Right. So we'd knock on the door and the first question would be, do you want some candy? <laughs> right. And then, of course, I mean, what college student is not going to take like free sugar right in front of them. Oh so God. they grabbed the lollipop or they grabbed the candy bar. And then that got us talking like, how's life? How are classes? going and then maybe it led to what are, you, what are you up to can I come in for a minute and so sitting down and and just sitting with them and chatting with them or watching the show with them or whatever it was but it was like that segue into real relationship um, so I think you make a valid point there sure. like you know we don't do away with the material the material is very important as well but but we use that as an avenue to really bring hopefully bring Christ the love of Christ to someone and to receive I think sometimes we we really forget that part it's like what am I going to do to save the world today right and then it's usually those people that we're trying to save that save us yeah <laughs> did you experience this John <laughs> oh yeah it definitely made my faith more powerful when mm. so you know not only was I extremely intimidated to go in there but the one thing that kept driving me was the you know um, when you visit in prison you're visiting me um mm. Jesus tells us. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to visit Jesus. This is going to be great. And that was one thing that kept me going because it was, I was extremely intimidated at first. And then, um, and it's a long weekend and every single night you're like, gosh, I can't do this again. I can't do this. I'm so tired. And I'm like, no, I got to go in and talk, talk to God. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so but then you go in and you come out and you're like, man, that was, you know, even though I'm super tired, super stressed, I just need to like not do anything. It was fantastic. Mm. And to see God's power and work and spread his love and joy just uplifts you. It was the first time I went in, it was like, that was the best Lent I've ever had. Mm. And so then when, when Easter Sunday came around, I, I was like, man, I don't know if I can top this. This is like, <laughs> I was just so on fire wow. for the faith. It was just fantastic. Wow. Yeah, and then I I was able to bring that back to my family, mm. which was which is great. You know, coming yeah. as a small, you know, I have a, a small family now that I'm in charge with, and it's my God has empowered me to take my family to heaven, which is crazy. Yes, <laughs> right. I'm like, how am I going to save these kids? <laughs> well, I think that's a beautiful part of it. I, I work, um, I'm able to work in our outreach office um, uh, occasionally, and. Just what you're saying, one of my favorite aspects of it is I like sometimes I go in and I've kind of learned not to go in this way, but I, I, I was going in thinking I have something to offer these people. Uh, but then you realize like sometimes someone comes in that makes you realize just how poor you are, you yourself are, uh, that, you know, given their situation uh, or whatever it is, but their faith, their, their faith in God will make me realize and look at my own life and say, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. You know, I really, I don't have this depth of faith. You know, I'm covering it up. Uh, and you can start to, to just look in the mirror and see uh, see how little you are, um, which then, I don't know the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> well, it makes you realize how much you need Jesus. Yeah. Right? I mean, when you realize how little 
you are, you realize that you need Jesus, right? And and maybe meeting people who are have have taken down the false selves and are looking at themselves and saying, "I know I need a savior." Maybe those of us who who have grown up in comfort and have had the opportunities that other people haven't, and also have had the chance to have our faith nurtured, right? Can can really learn a lot from those people and say, "Gosh, I need Jesus too." Just because I've had everything and I'm secure in where I am doesn't mean I need Him less than than these people. In fact, I probably need Him more, <laughs> yeah. right? And I think sometimes there's this twisted lie of Satan. You talked about like the intimidation, right? Like. I don't know about this and or or the lie of like I'm going to bring these people everything and when we and and then when we have that experience where Christ is really teaching us through the people I think Satan really doesn't want us to have that experience right so he he, he makes us fear like mm-hmm. all these things are going to go wrong all these bad things or or even the lie of you have nothing to offer so don't even go in there right and it's 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 by going and and facing those fears that we truly encounter Christ I found there was a time when Mormons came by our door, and so we decided we were going to have them over for dinner, you know. And to me, I'm a youth minister. Like, I shouldn't be intimidated by that. I know my faith, but I still was, like, getting really nervous. Like, I don't know what kind of questions they're going to ask. And then they come over, and they even brought a former Catholic with them, right? So it's like, oh. They did that to me. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I was like, whoa, okay. All right. So I, like, took out two rosary rings, and I got them in my pocket, and I'm just running through them. I'm like, here we go. You know, and uh, and and I was nervous the whole time, and my wife was wonderful. She just kept serving them, and I kept talking with them. And when they left, Rihanna and I were so on fire for our faith, <laughs> you know, in a way that like I didn't expect to happen at all. And I don't know. Hopefully, we planted some seeds for them to think about it. Um, but but our like it truly is like the gospel says when you know when you spread Jesus to others, it's when you end up mm. receiving so much too. And I was just ready to go tell, like, knock on every door at that point, right? Like, all right, let's talk about Jesus, you know? Follow um, every door they knock. Right, right. About. Just come up behind them, you know? But but there's really something about that, and yet that fear and those lies of Satan to keep us from from realizing the truth of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ in those, in those situations and in those people and in that experience of sharing faith, hope, and love. If, you know, I've heard people say often enough that if you don't share the gospel, then it becomes stagnant within you. Mm. you know, and we have to share it. We're compelled to. Did you find that? Like you just, you wanted to share more? I found that it, it made me want to study more. Mm. I feel like, it, like, especially talking to that one guy I was talking about earlier, he knew way, like everything. <laughs> like what is yeah. going on? But, uh, I, you know, it makes me more interested in, in studying my own faith just so I can share more and to be, let's to know more background, you know, it was nice growing up in a, a strong Catholic family, so I had a lot of background, but it's not as deep as people who spend a lot of time reading, people who spend a lot of time studying, because uh, when you talk to them, they're able to, you know, give much stronger reasons for things, or, you know, why do we as Catholics do something silly, right? Right. Um, why do we not eat meat on Fridays during Lent? That's a, you know... My wife asks me that all the time. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I try to talk to her about how sacrifice is good for you and it brings you closer to God when you have a good intention for it. Just yeah. doing sacrifices for itself is no good. But So it, it makes me want to be a stronger Catholic, mm-hmm. let's say it that way. Mm. Yeah, and I think those, those are great opportunities when uh, to kind of test your knowledge too. Like it's, I, I always think it's good when I can walk away from a conversation uh, – realizing what I don't know 
because it can give you some hunger to go find out. You know, there's, uh, um, it's, it's bad when you don't even try because you're scared you already don't know anything. Like, well, <laughs> go talk and see, see what you know. <laughs> Share what you can and trust in the Lord to, to make up for our inabilities. Yeah. yeah. What would you say, John? So <clears throat> something that I've thought about with all of this as we've been talking is like there are those like truly in prison that we can go visit and we should. What about those who are just – you talked a little bit about the walls that they put up. Those who are kind of imprisoned either by their own sin or their own guilt uh, or their own uh, destitution, whatever it might be. From your experience, what have you learned about uh, sharing faith, hope, and love with anyone who is who is imprisoned in that way? Oh, man. So That's I talked question. to – the second time I went in, I was talking to this one uh, gentleman and – he had closed himself off from everything, and it was it was very difficult for me because I I saw this kid and I'm like, you know, this kid he could be my nephew. Like he's mm. he's a young guy, but you know something happened in his life. Oh, we don't we don't want to know what it was, right? But um, he was so shut off that all I could do was talk to him and let him talk, and. You know, he didn't he didn't want to participate, but all I could do was spend time with him. And um I'm hoping you know, I pray for this guy all the time. Probably you know, it almost it almost brings a tear to my eye because I can see how destitute and how hurt it makes him that, you know, he, he has no hope in life. He has no faith. He closed himself off and it just it makes oh, it hurts. Um, my heart breaks for him and all I could give him was, um, to try and help him learn that if he can, you know, even if he can't forgive himself, God has forgiven him. God loves him anyway. And if you believe in God, you'll eventually be able to forgive yourself and you'll be able to you know, have hope in your life and in the world. But uh, when you meet someone like that, it's just, that was the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've ever happened in my life was talking to that gentleman. Hmm. And, you know, he's he's, you know, he's probably like 25, just a young kid. And his, his, he was in a very dark place. Hmm. It was really difficult. But... Oh, I gotta keep praying for him because it's. Uh, I really need to spread love to that guy. Yeah, I think that's there's something powerful in what you just shared because you pray for him, you spent time with him, and your heart is breaking for him. Compassion, and I think at the very least, if there's anything that we can do for people who are imprisoned in any way, whether it be truly in a prison or just in their own fear, doubt, guilt, is pray for them let our heart break for them and spend time with them. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, amen. Well, guys, thanks so much for this conversation. John, thanks for joining us. We are so glad you're a part of our parish. Yeah, it's exciting. And we're looking forward to uh, maybe one day doing some prison ministry. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening and you have any interest, uh, give us a shout. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe we can organize. Maybe the Holy Spirit will organize it. I'm not making any promises. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Watch out, yeah. (laughs) That's right. 
Uh, all right. Well, until next time, Our Lady Mount Carmel, pray, pray for, for us. Thanks again for tuning in. We would love for you to join the conversation that we started by sending us an email at vichimundum1633 at gmail.com or by connecting with us on Facebook and or Instagram. And while we love doing these podcasts, we really love hearing from and starting relationships with you even more. I also want to extend an invitation to you that if you like these shows and would like to see more produced by our parish, please feel free to support what we're doing. You can go to Our Lady of Mount Carmel's website and give online by designating your donation to Vichy Mundum. Monthly gifts are especially helpful. Finally, as a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters alone, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. God bless you, and we look forward to talking with you soon.